At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God regardless of our circumstances and how God is sovereign over all. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives. Isn't it great that the goodness of God is running after you? Amen. Yeah, that's what I thought too, you know. And then, <laughs> and then I came in this morning and I don't know, I heard some, some report last week. Somebody said, oh, Pastor Dan announced that you're going to be sharing Daniel chapter 6. And uh, he said it was a piece of cake, right? It was a cakewalk and that anybody could do that. I thought, oh, well, that's good. That's good. I'm an anybody. I could do that. And then I had somebody else come up today and said, yeah, Pastor Dan said that you were going to share Daniel chapter 6, and it's really tough. Kind of hopes you can handle it, you know? <laughs> so, and uh, don't we love Pastor Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't quite understand his humor, but anyhow, um, we do. <laughs> and then I was thinking about this Daniel thing, Right? And it's like we have Pastor Dan, we have Pastor Chris, and both of them are being promoted into the next step of what God has for their lives. And I'm just thinking, you know, the blessing of the Lord is just overflowing because these men have been found faithful in all that God has called them to. And that's the life of Daniel. Such an awesome study. And these stories, you know, have you ever wondered, like, how did some of these stories get in the Word of God? You know, I just started reviewing quickly. You know, you've got this, this snake who's talking to a woman. Okay, that made it in. Abraham, crazy story. Take your son, your beloved son, and sacrifice him. Another story. Teenage boy destroys giant. Great story about King David. Little slave girl in captivity whispers a little something about a prophet that she knows of that can bring healing. All of these stories, Daniel... Daniel in the lion's den. We've got the fiery furnace. We've got the handwriting on the wall. And now Daniel is facing, right, this lion's den. And I just got to say, I'm so blessed by so many of you who are digging in God's word on your own. I got a call yesterday from Mark, Mark Ringler, right? He goes, hey, did you know that the handwriting on the wall was God's first PowerPoint in the whole world? <laughs> That's good. You know, today Gary Bolak came up to me and he goes, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, is in the New Testament, poured out a certain way, and yet now our study takes us to Galatians where the fruit of the Spirit is flowing through Daniel. How does that? And he, people are digging in the Word. So what an amazing group of people who are looking for truth in God's story. I absolutely love that. Well, you know, all these stories... And we sang it today. It was so cool. Every one of you have a story. Amen? Yes. I mean, you were 
then Jesus, and now you are, right? A brand new creature in Christ. So we want to look today, you know, in depth at this story. And why was this story recorded? It's most likely because these people had been taken out of their motherland. They were in captivity. Devastation happened. They lost everything. And now they're being uh, carried back, okay? They went back to Jerusalem after their captivity, and they're thinking, what now? And this is recorded so that they could see the faithfulness of God. Everybody say faithfulness. God is faithful, and he's looking for a people who are faithful. Amen. And so in this story, we get to see how this unfolds, how this unfolds. In spite of present difficulties, God is in control, and he'll have the final victory in every one of our stories as we yield ourselves to him. He is faithful, and God delivers. He delivers us in every situation, and that is the key to this story. And I can't help but believe that every one of you want to grow in faithfulness. It's such a cool thing. Because whatever and whoever you are faithful to, you become an expert in that. You want to be an expert in becoming the treasure, the faithful one of God, especially as we look at this. So, Father, I just pray that your word today, Lord, will speak volumes to every single one of us in an amazing, absolutely amazing way. But, you know, if you're going to be faithful, it costs you something, doesn't it? How many of you have ever been on a diet? How many of you stayed faithful? Okay, put your hands down. You know, it's a challenge. It's just a challenge. It's going to cost something, right? And, um, you know, I, I think, does faithfulness really pay off? Billy Graham had a Sunday school teacher. She was faithful in teaching Sunday school. We have contemporary examples that make the big news, Right? Pastor Chris shared about what happened at, at, at Columbine. There were several there who were faithful Christians, modern-day martyrs. Faithfulness wins the favor. Oh, my gosh, faithfulness in that situation broadcasted to the entire world what it looks like to be a Christian who is on fire for Jesus Christ. Daniel's experience in chapter 6 draws out four results of faithfulness. The first one is that it brings cultural challenge. Are we ready for that? Cultural opposition. The second one is uncompromising character is developed within our hearts. That is so cool. The third thing is deliverance. And the fourth thing is that it brings a spiritual awakening. All of these are fantastic. Let's dig in. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. And uh, it's going to be on a the screen there, yep. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Uh, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three officials, of whom Daniel was one, to uh, whom these satraps, and that's a provincial leader in Persia, uh, should give an account, so that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because Daniel was faithful. 
and no error or fault was found in him. Then these three said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What an amazing thing. They create this clash of culture because they want to get rid of Daniel because they are jealous of him. Now, in the kingdom, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had died. Belshazzar, um, you know, is then the ruling king. And after him, the kingdom is divided, as we heard last week, the Medes and Persians. And Darius is now, you know, the ruler of the Medes. He's a new ruler. And as somebody new coming in, he wants to know, what's the setup here? How do we manage this? What's going on? So he takes a look at who Daniel, I'm sorry, who Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar had already in place. And he goes, I'll work with that. I can work with that. But then he began to see that this Daniel was amazing, that he was so amazing he wouldn't have to suffer uh, or a disruptive kind of administrative order. The physical, physical integrity would be there. He wouldn't lack funds coming in. And Daniel would be the wisest choice to put Daniel in charge of all the kingdom, second in command only to Darius himself, because an excellent spirit is in him. Could somebody say that about us? We have an excellent spirit. You know, I, I came to church this morning and I could see that there's some excellent people with an excellent spirit. And there's, I could also see some agitation in, in, in some little situations here and there. If you think it's you, don't worry about it. It wasn't. <laughs> it was me. No. <laughs> okay. But he could, he could see that, that this Daniel was going to be amazing. So he planned to put him in this position. However, his other buddies got jealous. And there was this angst. And it's like, you know what? He's not even one of us. We don't even share the same ethnicity. Let's just get rid of him. And these guys were like, I think of them as like those campers, you know, at the youth camp, where they plan how they're going to, you know, raid another cabin. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's do this. How about this? You know, so they came up with this scheme Let's make this law. Let's convince Darius to write this law that everybody who wants to pray has to pray to Darius. Now, Darius didn't think he was a god, but, you know, he's got this high position, and it didn't sound bad. It sounded like a good plan, but he didn't know how it would play out. So Darius is duped by these other two leaders. So they signed this, this law, which cannot be changed because that's the law, that for the next 30 days, nobody can pray to anybody except they have to intercede through Darius. God's grace on us produces cultural opposition. Cultural opposition. That means everybody out there doesn't agree with you and your people. Are we ready for that? Whenever you see revival, you see cultural opposition. Every single time. But we want revival. We want to get blessed. We want healing to flow. We want all these things that we read about in revivals. But are we ready for cultural collision, a clash of cultural, cultures and opposition? It's, it's coming. It's coming. And um, to be a friend of God means that, you know, we're going to have enemies in the world. We see it everywhere. There was a time, 1979, I was teaching, and um, kids were coming in my room for lunch, right? 
so cool. Now I go into different schools at lunchtime and hang out with kids and share Jesus. But at this time, they were coming to the room, and um, there was opposition, real opposition. Kids uh, were, were talking to the news media, you know, and there were articles printed in the newspaper. Teacher grades based on, you know, the religiousness of his followers and just all kinds of things. You know, um, students were really meeting with God. They were coming to our house. They brought their pornography. They brought their drug paraphernalia. They brought their, you know, demonic music. And we had a, a bin in the front yard, a, a tub. We put it in there. We burned it. And their parents were really upset that these kids were coming to Jesus. And they'd be driving by. And I'm standing there with their kids. They didn't have enough guts to stop. But they rolled the window down and throw out a few, exp you know, expletives. Yeah bad words, right, curses at me as their children are burning their demonic garbage and committing themselves to Christ, right? So expect some opposition. I'll bet there are people here that even in your own family, opposition came when you turned to Christ. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And the scripture is clear. In the world, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. The Apostle Paul reminds us, do not be surprised of fiery trials that will come upon you to test your faith. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, all who desire to live a life in Christ will suffer persecution. And nobody said amen. <laughs> it's the way it is. Jesus said, the foes, your foes will be those of your own household. God has called us to live an adventurous life where the challenges are going to be big. But how, do you, how many of you know that his grace is bigger? Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible never says he gives us enough grace. It says he gives us abundant grace. That's a good deal. That's amazing. That is so good. So good. Many of you have heard of Corrie Temboon. Well, her father, Casper Temboon, was a Dutch watchmaker. And this guy was uh, so identified with the Jews that he, he wore a Star of David. And I'm sure that annoyed the Nazis at that time. Well, they had harbored many, many Jews and preserved their lives. Well, Gestapo came. They arrested him, put him in prison for nine days, only nine days. And then they shipped him off to a hospital, and he died. And that story is very, very popular. Many of you have, as a matter of fact, I heard somebody the other night talking about Corey Timbu, you know. But there's another guy named... Uh, Salsa Mendez, and he's a Portuguese uh, consulate general um, who uh, lived in, in the consulate in France, and he was in charge of stamping visas and giving people the right to leave the country. So as the Nazis were advancing into France, many Jews were trying to escape, and his officials, uh, Mendez's uh, leaders, told him, do not issue visas. And Mendez was a was an aristocrat. He was a high-ranking official, not only in Portugal, but here in France as well. And that night, he stayed up all night, and he prayed, and he fasted, and he knew what he had to do. The next day at work, people were lining up. You know, they wanted to, and he stamped every one of their visas. It is estimated that 30,000 people their lives were spared because this man put his life on the line. He was imprisoned and so on, and um, 
What do you think? Do you think he died? You think he died? Raise your hand if you think that he died. Okay. Oh, I didn't, that wasn't my hand. Okay. <laughs> he didn't die. He was in prison, and somehow God set him free, just like Daniel in the lion's den. It's amazing. So his story was forgotten. And, and so as I was doing some research, I found this. I thought it was just a great, great story. So God, God is faithful. Faithful Christians who are faithful like Jesus and the other heroes we read about, they will face a cultural clash, a collision, opposition. The second result of being faithful is that we have this uncompromising character. Doesn't that just sound good? Uncompromising character. You are going to stand for the things of God no matter what comes against you. I just think that is so cool. Nothing can move you because you're standing in faith and faithfulness with your God. How cool is that? Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed... He went to his house where he, had wind, uh, where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men, conspirators, came by agreement and found Daniel making pet petition and plea before his God. These guys were so excited. They discovered Daniel. But you notice something about Daniel? The decree is made. Basically, the decree was, if you pray to God, you are going to die. Uh, kind of fast forwards to the book of Revelation, where we see images of, you know, the mark and persecution, that kind of thing. And Daniel does not go into some kind of a panic mode, right? This guy is so chill. He is so chill. But I think about, you know, myself in spiritual warfare at times, and I get, I get pretty riled up. It's like, there's no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment against me, I have the right, according to God's word, to condemn that. What about this? I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Are those good Bible verses? Yeah. Amen. But Daniel wasn't quoting anything. He wasn't hyper, right? We read in the New Testament about this baptism of fire, you know, and God's people can be very, very fiery. We are made for victory, amen? We are made for victory. I remember I went to an Algonac uh, football game, you know, and it was the year that they won something, whatever you win when you win football. Okay, I don't know what that is. A pennant, a trophy, a league. I don't know what it was. Anyhow. They won. I sat in the stands, and I cried. It's like, what? You know, like, football is not my thing. This is Super Bowl Sunday, so I understand I'm going to get some soup today. That's really cool. <laughs> but that's about it, right? But when they won, oh, touches deep because we are made to win. When you see your... They, those guys were my team that day because they won. We are made to win no matter what it is. Wrestling matches, my son was a wrestler. 
He'd win, I'd cry. It's because it's what God has made us to do. We are made to be winners. That is woven into the fiber of your being. You know, access that today. I am a winner. Not because I can do anything, right? But because my God can. And he can use anybody who is willing and faithful, according to the scripture, to live out this life. God has ordained us to be winners, to be winners, absolutely, absolutely, all the time, all the time. So many movies that your favorite movies are with the underdog. What's that one about Titans, right? That's another football thing, right? These guys win. It's just, I, I love, there's one out right now, Boys in a Boat, they win. We're made for that. We're made for that. It says, be sober, be uh, watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But in Revelation 5, 5, it says, weep no more. Behold, the Lion of Judah, we sung about this morning, the Root of David has conquered. Our Jesus Christ has conquered every enemy. He's conquered every enemy in every one of our lives. We need to simply move into that, move into that. But Daniel wasn't all riled up. He wasn't all like proclaiming, you know, I got victory, you know, and my God is great. My God's a lion of Judah, you know, the devil's a roaring lion. Is an old lion is the image there in the New Testament. He doesn't have any teeth. He just roars. No, he was my God. My God is my friend. I've walked with my God. I know my God. If I have to choose today between the law of the Medes and Persians that cannot change, I will choose the law of my God that cannot change. And when we walk in that law of God, and that law of God today is not just the Old Testament. That's what Daniel you know, may have looked at, right? The first two commandments in Exodus 20. But the law is the law of the Spirit that is very much alive every day in our lives because we have a living relationship with the true and living God. And when he gives you a law today, you know, when he says, don't go up for your fourth bowl of chili, <laughs> that is your law in the spirit today, right? This morning, I wanted my latte so bad, and it was like, no, you know you're hyper already, don't drink the latte. The law of the spirit against the law of my latte, you know, so... We, we, we have the power to let God win. We have the power to let God win in our lives. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. So why didn't Daniel bend? Why didn't he bend? And this is, this is something you, you want this today. Daniel had built a relationship of, with, through prayer with his God. It was just another day didn't matter what anybody said. It was a day when Daniel was going to pray, you know, three times a day. You know, I was in Istanbul and um, sitting, having a latte, and uh, the, uh, the tower bell goes off, and the guy, I forgot what they call him, calls everybody prayer. Everything shut down. Everybody prayed, including me. It was like, this is, this is a cool thing. Everybody prays. You know, can we, can we be that people? Everybody prays. 
Daniel, for Daniel, was just another day. He didn't have to make a choice that day. <laughs> he didn't make a choice. Let's see. Should I pray to Darius or pray to the true and living God? He didn't have to make that choice. It was a habit in his life. I, 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 I liken it to Jesus in the garden. You know, not my will, but thy will be done, right? And it was like, it wasn't a choice, but it was a prayer that was a part of his life, part of his life, right? How do we live as Christians? I, I think that's such a good question. Do we live inwardly as Christians or do we just live outwardly as Christians? Because I've been around myself enough and around Christians enough to know that we can be very polite. And yet inwardly there's something else going on. We can politely avoid obedience. There's also a casual neglect. You get this little, and I'm learning how to respond to the slightest nudge, the wind of the Spirit. Because it's so easy to neglect God and the Holy Spirit in our conscience. There's a passive stubbornness. You know, and it's polite. It looks good. You dress it up. You brush your teeth. You bring it to church. But it's still something inside that God wants to move upon in each of our lives. Is that true? That means we're a people that are moving forward if we could acknowledge that. I was with somebody yesterday and I said, you know, one of the most important things you can do is realize how wrong you are. And the person said, oh, I'm wrong. And then the next step is just to bring that to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Basically, we're either wheat or tares because they both look the same on the outside. And in the end, it comes right down to that. You're either the wheat or you are the tear. And it all depends on what's inside. What's inside of a tear is actually a, a powdery substance that can cause uh, some measure of uh, brain dysfunction. And, and we're not thinking right on the inside if we're going to end up like the tear. But God has called us to be, you know, like the wheat. We have substance and food for others. I was with uh, someone last week, and they, they were having struggles, and they were talking about, you know, God just doesn't move in miracles anymore. He's not going to miraculously come into my living situation and make everything perfect. And when I heard those words, I got a little riled inside. And I said, we serve the same God today as was yesterday and will be tomorrow. And our God always does miracles. But what you need to look for is the miracle of grace that will cause you to be obedient in the moment. That's the miracle of God, that you and I can take some of that abundant grace, abundant grace, huge amount of grace that falls all over us in excess. And there's something in us that accesses that power of God to be obedient in the moment, and it changes everything around us. It's not, we want the miracle to change all that. It's what, what this person wanted. It's like, no, 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 no. The miracle is that we become obedient from a deep place within our lives. How cool is that? Oh, my gosh. I just, I want, I'm, can I pray right now? I just want to pray right now. I want every one of us to experience that 
grace. Father, your good people are hungry this morning. Feed them with this grace as you already have. But build an awareness that you are so close and so near that we can touch that grace, that we can take it in as food, bread, and wine to inebriate us in the spirit to walk against our will, to walk in that grace. That's a miracle of a transformed heart, which lasts forever. We thank you and praise you. Amen. Amen. Results of faithfulness. There's so, so many. Christian faithfulness is our life. Doing the next obvious thing for the glory of God cultivates this uncompromising absolutely uncompromising character in our lives. So good. So we're going to face opposition. We want this character. Uh, the third thing is, is it demonstrates what happens when our faithfulness is rewarded with punishment. All right? And what happens then is Christian faithfulness reveals divine deliverance. How many of you have been delivered from something? Smoking, alcohol, bad language, yeah, what else? I can't think of anything else. What? Uh, hatred, envy, jealousy. Every hand should be up because our God is a deliverer. Amen. And he delivered in this situation. So the story goes on. Daniel is disobedient. Disobedient. And he pays no attention to what the king, King Darius, has said. King Darius, on the other hand, is saddened because he loves Daniel so much. But he sees that, you know, his law cannot be changed. So the execution is put in motion. They come to this large pit. It's a huge pit, but it's carved out kind of like a pot. It's like an underground pot, and the opening's kind of small, you know, and the lions are down there. You just throw food down there or people, and um, uh, that's their, their means of execution. The stone is put over it. It kind of reminds us of Jesus' uh, tomb, right? It's carved out, and a stone is put over it, and then they put the king's seal on it. I don't know if it was wax or something, but his signet ring was in there with maybe uh, some fabric across it so that if it was broken and Daniel escaped, people would know that it had been tampered with. So the king now is so upset over Daniel that he doesn't go to sleep. He stays up all night, and he spends the night praying and fasting, all right? And then he comes in the morning... And he says, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. He knows he's the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel says, oh, king, salvation message, live forever. Because <laughs> they all know they're going to die, but Daniel understands eternity. Live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before my God. What? Daniel said, I, it'd be like Joe, I was found blameless before my God. That feels awkward for me to say. Because I know I am not blameless. However, Daniel, like Jesus, was innocent, suffered, and was delivered. In our God, his law is permanent. If you do the crime, you pay, you know, for it. You do the time. The wages of sin 
is death. There's no way around that. And every single one of us have sinned. And yet God is so crazy about his creation, exactly the way he made you, with all your quirkiness and all your beautiful giftedness, that he can't stand to see you suffer the penalty that he has put in his law. So he decided that he would make a way so that you could be free and be delivered because of your faithfulness to him, just like Daniel was delivered. And so this morning, God wants that to be a reality to us, that we can be set free because the innocent one, Jesus, took our penalty. We had made a covenant, as it were, just by our bad choices with death to die forever, and yet there's this new covenant of life forever. God has made a way for every single one of us. You know, now, I, I know that salvation is, is a moment when you accept Christ into your life. It's a very true thing. And some people, you know, they actually get into a church setting like this, and they're around a lot of Christians. They begin to see what it looks like, and they see something they like. And it's kind of like a, a Japanese pastor friend of mine said, it's like crockpot evangelism. You just come and you get in and the flavor of it kind of gets inside of you and pretty soon it's like, well, when did you accept Christ? I don't know. It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm in the mix and it's like, I, I know I just love God, right? And then sometimes you can be in that mix for a long time and then one day you realize, like today maybe, huh, that a little more faithfulness would be a great way to serve God, to have uncompromising character, to face the trouble that is coming and to know that, you know, that, that God is, is with you and God will deliver you from the things that you still are wrestling with in your own character, whatever that besetting sin might be. So it's a great day to just invite Jesus you know, into your life, the Holy Spirit, in a whole new way, a beautiful way, because God is a God of deliverance. You know. Now, do you believe that Jesus Christ you know, paid the price for your sins. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he poured out the Holy Spirit so that he could live in you, you know, with the fire of God that gives you the ability to defeat all enemies? Yeah, either through, you know, real active warfare and claiming scripture or like Daniel with such peace, like Romans 15 says, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. God is making himself available to us in wonderful, wonderful ways. Cultural opposition, uncompromising character, divine deliverance is what God has for every single one of us. The fourth benefit is a spiritual awakening. I love this. Do you realize that the, most of the revivals worldwide happened because somebody was like a Daniel and they sought God. They just set themselves apart and they prayed. Some of these revivals happened in the most obscure places. Some of them happen because God's people get together and they, they seek God collectively and pray. You know, the, the revivals happened in Scotland and Ireland. You know, I don't remember when, but I was with a very old lady who had been in all these revivals in Argentina as well. You know, and she said that when the presence of God would just come in, you know, people would just melt under his presence 
and invite him in. And he was like, you know, the, they were like soft clay. And he'd come into their lives like, you know, a potter and just gently reshape, you know, their thinking and their minds so that they were never the same. This week, it was so cool. You know, God delivers. This week, I was in a school, and um, it's kind of a rough one. In the middle school, you know, they're pretty, pretty active, and, and I had the potter's wheel, and I gave that demo, and it's, it's captivating. This clay spins. It's all wonderful, right? Like, how can I do that every week? Not going to happen. <laughs> but this week, you know, the presence of God came in that room. There are probably, I don't know, 40 kids in this small room. And four of them accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. God, yeah, I know. God is so good. He is so good. You know, this fourth, this fourth benefit of faithfulness is this. Daniel 6, 25. We'll start there. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwelt in all the earth. This is global, okay, for that day. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all the royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear, well, we don't preach that too often, before the God of Daniel, for he is a living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his, this Darius is preaching. <laughs> his dominion shall be to, to the end, to the end, to the end of time. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel uh, from the power of the lions. This is beautiful. Results in the world that there, there's going to be the glory of God that is transmitted through people like you and I. Amen. Because our faithfulness carries with it, as, the, as Paul writes, there's a fragrance of triumph wherever we go. That's out of, you know, he wrote to the Corinthians. They had these incense burners. And when the army of Rome would come back into Rome, they'd swing these incense burners, and there'd be a long parade with all the spoils, all the people they captured, and all the goods that they had pillaged from the lands that they had traveled to. And the smell was a certain incense, and everybody in town knew that Rome had a victory. And Paul says, that's what our lives are supposed to be like. Do you smell like God's victory? Do you radiate love, joy, peace, excitement about this global takeover that we are a part of? Because Darius said that this kingdom endures all the way to the end of the book of Revelation and for eternity. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. It is so cool. It is amazing. So there was a time... When I, uh, I, I spoke at a summer camp, and it was, it, everybody said it was great. It was the pottery thing again, right? It's a sure hit. So they said, oh, we want you back. So I went back, and I thought, how can I top that? So I worked hard. I worked so hard. I had a project for kids. It was cool, you know, and all this stuff. And um, it just bombed. I just, it was just like... Joe showed up, and I don't think God did, right? That was my impression. And last Friday night, this was like four or five years ago, and here's, what, here's the point of the story. Your life counts. All these stories in the Bible, talking snakes, you know, there's all kinds of stories, right? You 
are the story of God. And no matter what you think, <laughs> isn't that cool? No matter what you think, God thinks highly of you. And God thinks he can use you. God thinks he can use He's got a dream for your life. Oh, but that dream won't come true unless you are faithful to him. Face the opposition. Get that steadfast, godly character. Experience deliverance, and he will let his glory be shown through you to other people. And you don't know who you're touching, right? Billy Graham had a Sunday school teacher. Billy Graham had, you know, Bill and Rhonda, right? And when you do the thing you're called to, we have, we have a hospitality, you know, cafe team here. Did you see what they did? Yeah. Right. Grace, grace, abundant grace, right? So this girl came up to me Friday night at um, Troy Prayer and Worship Time. Amazing. You don't want to miss it next year. Um, came up to me and she said, I know. Well, first of all, when I first sat down, this girl came up and there's a you know, row of seats here. And she came up to me and she put her arms out and she's hugging me. And I'm going, okay, I'm really an old man. I can't remember who you are. Okay. <laughs> and so I said, ah, nice to see you. Yeah. She goes, I know you. I go, cool. You know. And then afterwards, she came back up and she said, I know that I know you. And I said, okay, from where? Because you look kind of familiar. They all look the same. Anyhow, she kind of looked familiar. And uh, she said, oh, you, you shared at uh, Rochester University. And uh, Chris, Chris was right there. And I said, great. I'm thinking, big deal. You remember me. What good is that? So I said, do you remember what I said, what I spoke on? And she started to lay out the message. All the points. And she still has the piece of artwork. She goes, all I remember, and then at the end she goes, and I remember the main point was that you said that God made me his masterpiece. And she still has that piece of artwork. So look, if God can do that with somebody who knows they failed miserably, God can do that with your life. Amen? Amen. He wants to use you to bring glory to his name because you develop a lifestyle of faithful connection with God. And we can run through the list. How are you going to develop this faithful habit? Because habits really do determine your destiny. How are you going to stop being negligent to the influence of the Holy Spirit on your life? Right? How are you not going to be a casual um, Christian in becoming this on-fire person who relentlessly seeks God? Not because you have to, but because you have to, because you love him so much. And he's got a great plan for your life. And if I ask you that question and ask you to give me answers, you would say, oh, I could read my Bible, go to church, you know, help old ladies across the street, and I could do all these. Yeah, you could do those things. But you know, doing those things doesn't work without a heart. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I want to pray this morning, you know, that the Lord 
will ignite our hearts with his amazing fire. You know, the Holy Spirit has always been alive. God has always been a triune God. And he was there with Daniel. And he's here with us in an absolutely amazing way this morning. Father God, I just thank you for each one here with a hungry heart who indeed imprinted in the very matrix of who we are is this passion to be filled with your glory, to proclaim your glory, to be your messengers. Lord, I pray that you will cause us to be in the world but not of the world. And when the clash of cultures comes, there'll be no contest. We'll simply choose you as we always have. May the battle we face produce uncompromising character and bring divine deliverance in every one of our lives. Deliverance from those interior enemies, those inherited iniquities. And may we bring about, Lord God, in the lives of at least somebody, a spiritual awakening in our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, in Algonac, across the street, and around the world to the glory of your name. I pray these things because, Lord, you put them in your word, and it's your heart. It's not my good idea. It's what you want to do. It's what you can do with a faithful people. I pray today that there will also be this amazing spirit of repentance. We're called to confess our weaknesses, our failures, and not just the behavior, but that deep-seated tendency toward neglect. May we be attentive, as attentive as a boy is to a girl that he's dating, as attentive as a girl is toward this enamored sensation that she treasures because there is a true love. And Lord, there is that true love today you have poured out to every one of us by not leaving us in a lion's den or putting us on a cross or facing a death penalty. You've done that. May we access what you have purchased in great abundance. May we not be cheesy shoppers in the spirit, but may we load the shopping cart of the spirit with all the blessings that you've poured out because you mean for us to walk in these victories and make your glory seen in this land where there is definitely a clash of culture. We thank you and we praise you in your wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.